0: You're listening to Bethany Radio. Mark content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. Good to be back with you again. I invite you to turn your scriptures, not to the book of Mark. We're going to Joshua chapter 1 today. Joshua 1. And uh, we've got a picture from last week. is in there? Whose is this? I thought it was Malachi's. It was not named, and I thought, well, maybe, maybe Milt drew from his sermon. I didn't think so, or somebody else drew this out. Okay, um, this was a great job, Malachi. This covered that Psalm 37 was one of many great passages you went to last week by the, the blessing of technology. I could kind of be with you and listen, and and you were well fed last week and one of the feedings was from Psalm thirty seven. And so Mal I don't have time to go through it all, but Malachi did a great job of kind of section by section going through through Psalm thirty seven and in a cartoon way he's got yeah, I mean got somebody arresting somebody in a birthday cake and delight yourself in the Lord. He's in a garden with a bird and flowers and it's great. So great job on that, Malachi. And also great job, Milt, and just really appreciate you serving allowing me time away and serving the flock here. So I appreciate that very much. And much of, I think, what will be shared, you might even say, piggybacks on what you heard last week and just goes right along with it. And so kind of this thrust towards this new year and looking ahead for this. Hopefully by now you found the book of Joshua after the five books of the Pentateuch and you're in Joshua 1. And I'll be reading verses 1 through 9 here. Let's listen to God's Word. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left. That you may have good success wherever you go. Let's pray. Father, as we spend now some time in this particular passage, in your word, which is breathed out and useful for teaching, correcting, and training in righteousness, for rebuking, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Lord, equip us through this passage. And Lord, may your spirit work amongst us to listen to you, Lord, where there's areas of life you need to open up and we need to open up and change and be different, Lord, then penetrate those. And where we need to be comforted, comfort. And Lord, we just pray you'd work through this time in your word by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, for many of you, this will not be a new sermon. This is a sermon you've heard before. Uh, I preached this sermon last year, although i changed some of it. it's really the first sermon I preached as your pastor. I preached this at my graduation from seminary. Uh, so here we come back again to Joshua 1. But I have two reasons. Uh, one is, number one, that the lessons here, they do seem applicable again as we start a new year together. They just seem to... It's just fitting to start a year with remembering some of the truths that we find in this passage. Uh, There are things I think you and I need reminding of yearly. But number two, this year, we're going to actually continue on. We're not just going to stop at verse 9, but we're going through the whole book of Joshua. We're going to go through each section as we study this book. And I think a book that really highlights the wonderful work of God on behalf of His people and then His call for them to be faithful to Him by obeying His word. Next week, Lord willing, we're going to get more uh, into the general scope of the book of Joshua. Maybe we'll pull up a map and kind of look maybe more specifically where we're at, get orientated, and, and then continue on with verses 10 through 18. But for this week, we're in verses 1 through 9. The title you have, you have a, a bulletin. The title in the sermon is To Go Boldly, and it's a phrase Remember, Hannah and I heard by a a former elder we had in Kansas, before we left for seminary, I can still see him at the doorway. Mike and Hannah, go boldly, was his words to us. And uh, we went there, God was faithful. And isn't it maybe the way that we want to start this next year, the new year? Yes, we want to go boldly. It was like a pep rally, like go boldly, you can do this. Here we go, go boldly. Right? Just kind of, yeah, okay, I think I can do this. Perhaps already this year seems daunting and impossible. And the words go boldly seem like, uh, yeah, that, n- not my story. As I preach this passage this year, we're beginning my fourth year in ministry here. And like anything, any of you, there's a desire to do well. And there's the question of, will I? I have two teenage sons, great sons as teenagers, but there's an opportunity. I have a growing daughter. We have a new girl on the way. We have, I have this thing to build, this thing to fix. And we have two cats and seven puppies that need attention. So that's not very daunting, right? But there's, there's daunting things. You have your own daunting thing of this year. But here I believe Joshua one has much to encourage us as we follow and walk with Jesus. Just a little background as we enter this text. The nation of Israel is on the verge of entering the promised land. Uh, they would be on the east side of the Jordan River and they're ready to cross into the, onto the west side, this promised land that God has promised to them. Uh, even goes back to the time of Abraham, some maybe five to 600 years prior to what we're reading about here. And yet the journey for Israel to get to this point, it's been one of slavery and then God's deliverance. And God gave them His law, Ten Commandments we think of, and yet time and time again they would sin and their disbelief and they've, they've wandered in the wilderness. They paid the price of the consequence of their unbelief. And yet now the next generation, after leaving Egypt, the next generation has risen up and it's time. God has brought them to the Jordan to cross, to enter this land of promise, a land flowing with milk and honey. We're going to look at verses 1 through 5 here. I'm not going to read them again, but just some highlights as kind of we see overall just Joshua's commission here to enter the promised land, kind of this commission of the Lord. And really pretty neat, verses 2 through uh, 9 are all God speaking to Joshua. And so there's this commission to him. In verse 1, though, we're introduced to who Joshua is, the son of Nun. He's really the—that's Joshua, the successor of Moses. He's been the chief assistant, or he's ministered to Moses. He's a warrior. He's been with Moses. He's even spied out this promised land with Caleb and the others back in Numbers when most of them said, too scary, we don't want to go. But he and Caleb said, no, we can do this. And now he's back again. And so here in verse 1, God speaks to Joshua. How awesome for God to speak to Joshua. We might say, oh, that God, oh, that he'd speak to us. Nine, I mean, what, eight verses, God's speaking to him? And he has, right? He's spoken to us through his word. We hear this God breathed scripture before us. We want to listen to it as Joshua. Listen to God. In verse 2, the call for Joshua is to arise, go, cross this Jordan, you and this people, to a land, and this is fitting here and repeated, to the land that I am giving to them. This is land given by God to his people. Verse 3 reiterates uh, what God is doing. Let me read verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. God has given the land. This this word uh, in verse 3 that I have given to you, you might remember is a, well, maybe not. I don't know. It's a perfect uh, in Hebrew, which means that it's usually like a past tense, like I gave that to you. The only thing here is that Israel has not crossed the Jordan yet. So how can God say I've already given it to you? They haven't gone in. They haven't conquered. It's not happened yet. And it's a word that's used, I I think, by God to say, if I say I'm going to give it to you, it's as if it's already happened. I mean, you could say Jesus has come, thinking future tense, because we're promised that, and he will come, and so forth. So God is faithful. He's going to do in the future what he says he will do. It's almost in that past tense sense. And then verse 4, you've got this this boundary line, this wilderness and Lebanon and rivers and boundaries, really some of this uh, repetition from Genesis and Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, talked about this land. And so, again, kind of these boundaries and what land are we talking about here? And then verse 5 offers these wonderful words of comfort and peace to Joshua. In, in a sense, to summarize, just as God was with Moses, so Joshua, God will be with you. Or, Josh, or God says to Joshua, I will be with you. I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. It's interesting to think about just how many people Joshua was leading over uh, into the promised land from here. One census, I think it's in Numbers, talks about uh, a total around, I think it was 603 and change 603,000, or let's we'll say 600,000. That could be just 600,000 maybe people. I, th- I think numbers is referring to 600,000 men of fighting age, the fighting guys. The ESV study Bible talks about, I mean, add the women and children, you're up to some 2 million people, which to us here just are numbers, but I looked, and you can do this online, just look at what's populations. Uh, the city of Milwaukee... The whole city of Milwaukee is around 600,000 people. Uh, Phoenix, I tried to find one with 2 million. They're up and they're above or below. Phoenix has like 1.6 million people. So think of this. I mean, Milwaukee's big enough. And uh, I I didn't look up Rochester. I can't remember how many. But Milwaukee, 600,000. Or Phoenix, 1.6 million. I mean, that's a lot of people to lead into the land. And, And we're going. Okay, I've, got, I've got three kids, and I have one on the way, and I don't have 600,000 yet, so we don't know. But it's a lot of people. It's not a small operation. So how awesome for Joshua to hear these words of comfort. I'm going to be with you. Your, ta- your your looks daunting and impossible. I'm going to be with you. I will not abandon you. I'm not going to leave you. Well, that's the broad idea. God has given this land to Joshua. He's going to be with him. And then we want to look here, of course, at the last verses 6 through 9, really three different times. You've got them in an outline in your bulletin. Three different times God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. It's repeated and repeated and repeated. Another way to translate that might be, be strong and be bold. Hence, go boldly. Be strong and be bold, or be courageous. You see it in verse 6, verse 7, and then verse 9. And after each one, God kind of explains, gives some reasoning, maybe some hope behind this command to be strong, to be bold. And so we want to look at these briefly here. Verse 6, let me read for us. The first one, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Joshua here, go boldly, you and I go boldly, because God uses people to accomplish his tasks. God uses people to accomplish his tasks. God says he's giving the land. He said it already a couple other times. So we know, where's the land coming from? It's coming from God. He's giving this. But how is it accomplished? Joshua is going forth into the land with the people. God uses people. He's going to lead them. We recognize God. He's sovereign. He's over all things. Nothing can thwart him. And yet he chooses, we don't know why, but for his glory to use people to accomplish his tasks. And so for us, by way of application, what place for you, what specific place, place has God called you to? The family you're in or the job you have, the class you're currently taking, the city or the country where you live, you have an opportunity by God to be an instrument of God in order to accomplish his purposes, to glorify the Lord, to share Christ. One line from one of my favorite movies, uh, Facing the Giants, I love that movie. Uh, there's, if you remember, if you've seen it, there's a distraught coach and he's pretty discouraged and this this wiser man comes into his office, basically tells him, he says, Coach Taylor, as long as, as, long as God has put you in this place, as long as you're here, you're to bloom where you're planted. And I, I love that line that says, This is where you at. Where where are you? You're not where I live and I'm not where you live. You're where you're at. Are you blooming where you're planted? God has a work to do. And until God moves you somewhere else, this is your field to cultivate and to serve for his glory. And we can do it boldly in the power of the Lord. And so Joshua can go boldly as we can, we're instruments in his hand. Part of Accomplishing his goals and his purposes. But there's more. Number two, and go boldly being grounded in the word of God. To go boldly being grounded in the word of God. Look at verses 7 through 8. Only be strong and very courageous. Emphasize there. Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. As Joshua and Israel journeyed into the promised land, God's call was to be strong and be courageous to both meditate on and do what the law of God said for them to do. If Israel would follow God's commands, the path would be success, but where they departed, failure. And we're going to see both of that laid out as we go through this book. And we'll see that later on here. But for us, a couple of directives that really come out of verses 7 through 8 regarding the word of God. Here, the book of the law of Moses, we think of all of Scripture that God has breathed, this book for us. Number one, God's Word, we want to be careful to do it. There's action to this Word, to live according to God's Word. More than just reading it, but we're living it out. Not turning to the left or to the right, but we're following it, we're reading it, and we're we're doing it. And that's going to involve time in God's Word so we know what it says. And so there's this call to meditate on it day and night, to meditate on the Word of God. I don't know what your meditation of Scripture is like, if you've got hours on end, if you have a spare minute here or there. For some of us, it's replacing meditation or time with Facebook or that latest show, or YouTube, or the internet, or how your favorite team's doing, uh, fill in the blank for you. I'm as distracted as anyone. This, to meditate on God's Word is work. I don't think it comes, you see some of the pictures, but I don't think it comes, you just open it and just, just everything, just there's an outline and you go, that's the whole point, and I understand, it, there's some work to it. And you're praying, Lord, help me understand this. Some of it is day in day. In. There's work to being in the Word. But it's the best work. Because they lead us. These Scriptures lead us not in and of themselves to say, I've studied it, I've gone through it. They lead us to Jesus Christ, to the glory of God, to the best things. I want to encourage you, I think last week, and if you didn't get a, an orange, or I don't think I have one up here, the, the bright orange, Bible reading plan for the next two years, I encourage you uh, to go through that with, with us as a church. Go through it. The, uh, Calise helpfully puts the sections even in the bulletin each week of kind of where we're reading at. That's over two years. Some, if you're bold, do it in a year. Um, if you're thinking two years, that's, it's two chapters a day, basically. Maybe you want to just pick one. Pick one of the chapters and do it. Um, but I really encourage you, pick up a sheet and just start through it and hear the story of Scripture and that daily intake, like you would intake vitamins and you eat three meals a day to intake the Word of God, to meditate on it. Number three here under this, this being grounded in the Word of God, there's a result of being in God's Word, and it's prospering in the Lord. And I'm careful as I say that because there's success in the Lord, and it's mentioned in the Scriptures But this is not a scheme here. If I'm in the Word, I'm going to get more money this year. That's how this works. It's an understanding, I think, of success and being prosperous in the things of the Lord. You heard this last week. Psalm 37 says to delight yourself in the Lord. You want to delight in the Lord? He's found here. Delight. Matthew 6, it was mentioned last week. Seek first his kingdom, treasure him above all things. This is not some tool we get to get some more money this year. Maybe I'll feel better. We don't know. We're going to trust the Lord. I don't know how our years are going to be. None of us do. But we want to be grounded in the word of God. And that leads us then, I think, really the climax of why Joshua And us, why we can be strong and courageous and be bold. Why Joshua could lead with confidence and however you calculate, 600,000, 2 million people. Why we can face this year or that struggle or that situation, verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. There's a question there, isn't there? Have I not commanded you? The answer, yes, I have. It's the third time I've commanded you, Joshua. Be bold, be courageous, be strong. God's given a command, and he's given these comforting words. Don't be frightened. Don't be dismayed, don't be discouraged, don't tremble. Uh, one version of the Bible of this passage says, don't panic. I wonder if this is how you and I are approaching life and each day, are we approaching with panic or dread or dismay or fear? Maybe feeling like one illustration came to mind just of the those guys that spin the plates on the sticks, you know, and they get one going and... And it's going, and then they get the other, and they got to keep that one going, and this one. And all of a sudden they've got and they're eight plates going and spinning, and there's all these things. And how do I spin that one? And I'm over here, and I can't get to this. And all these things. Panic. Fear. But there's an important <clears throat> three-letter word here. It comes right after a comma, where it says, Do not be dismayed, comma, four. F O R for purpose. Sunday school we were talking about some of this. Purpose. Why? Why not be frightened? Why not be feared? Fear. For the Lord your God is with you. Literally, it would read, Because with you, Jehovah your God. There's not even a, a verb in there. It's just because with you, Jehovah your God. There's some forty-three verbs scattered throughout the section that we've just read. Forty-three of them, verb, action, word, things going on, action, that sort of thing, or is, some of these verbs. But there's no verb in this particular, for the Lord your God is with you. And I think that it's not an accident, it's for emphasis to say, hey, look at this, there's no ver-. it's just the Lord your God with you. He is, we fill in the is, he is with you. Joshua could take courage. He could go boldly because God was with him. And that great line, wherever you go, not just with us in this building, just a building, the church gathers here, not just here, he's with us wherever we go. And so I ask, is God with you? If you're in Christ, yes. If you've been given eyes to see, ears to hear, put your trust in Christ, you turn from your sin to the Lord and Savior, then brother and sister, God is with you too. But we might ask, and this leads us then into the New Testament real briefly, how do we know God is with us? Maybe, he, maybe this is just Joshua. Somehow he got God to be with him. I have no idea how that's going to work for us. So we ask that question. I want you to turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 1. Perhaps in some of your gatherings, or um, I think we read it here on Christmas Eve. Matthew 1, I'll start in verse 21 through 23. Here an angel of the Lord is speaking to Joseph. Jesus is going to be born. You're going to call his name Jesus, or Joshua is kind of the old... Testament way of saying Jesus for he will save his people. Let me read it. I'll get you there. Verse 21. I'll wait for you. Matthew 121. So the angels asking, you know, telling Joseph, Don't how interesting. Don't fear Joseph. Take Mary as your wife. Okay? What's in her is from the Holy Spirit. Then verse 21. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus for He will save His people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call His name Emmanuel. Which Matthew helps us so much here. The name of this son of the virgin is called Emmanuel, and Matthew says, which means God with us. This is not just a Joshua thing of the Old Testament, that God is with us. Jesus came that we might be saved from our sins to be with God forever. Sin had done the separating. Without Christ, we deserve that eternal separation from God. But He's merciful. And no one deserves this to have God with them. We don't deserve this meal we shared. We don't deserve this, deserve his word or any of this. He would be just to be done with us for our sin. But because of Christ, we're reconciled to God. In Christ, we're children of God, sons and daughters. And we will live with him forever. We're going to worship him forever, who is our greatest delight. And nothing can separate us. I told you we're piggybacking from last week. One other passage that came up was Romans eight thirty eight through thirty nine, and I will just read it to you. Think of this in light of God is with us through Jesus. It says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come in twenty nineteen or twenty twenty or this afternoon, nor powers it doesn't say it, some of that I add that in there, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Do you know the Savior? I pray you do. I pray if that's not your case, before you leave here, you talk to somebody about knowing the Savior and you believe in the name of Jesus, the only name that saves. And then dear brother and sister in the Lord, We can go boldly. Not because of our own strength and might. Not because we had a pep rally. Yes, we can can do it. We go because in ourselves we're weak, but we go boldly in the grace of our Lord. Our Lord who called us out of darkness. Who has without mistake placed you where you are. He's given us His Word. And who will never leave us, nor forsake us. Let's pray. All praise be to you, our God and Father and our Lord Jesus Christ for your mercy and your grace, for your call on us out of darkness, on your call for us, no mistake of where we live, our call your word before us to read your word and to go boldly because you're with us we can face 2019 we praise you thank you lord for your mercy in jesus name amen